How many recognize that song? Yeah, well known. Sung by the Birds. Like a 1965 number one on the Billboard charts. The most biblical song that's been number one ever on the Billboard charts. In fact, the majority of the song is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which we're going to be studying today. A beautiful poem written by Solomon, that Pete Seeger who wrote the song, or excuse me, wrote the music for the song. Uh, the royalties he divided, he got 50% of the royalties for the music, and then he gave 45% of the royalties to the nation of Israel. That's where the Bible came from. <laughs> but he kept 5% because he did come up with six words. <laughs> I swear it's not too late at the end of the song. I thought that was really interesting he did that. But uh, we look at the lyrics here. Again, oh, the lyrics over here. Uh, uh, again, the idea of this is what the Bible says, a time to build up, a time to break down, a time to dance, a time to mourn, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. And it goes on to say, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to rend, a time to sow, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of peace, I swear, it's not too late. And those are the words that uh, he added there. Well, we're going to be looking at this passage today as we continue in our series, Ecclesiastes Wisdom for Daily Life. And we've been studying Solomon's grand experiment. He has been seeking to find satisfaction and meaning in life without God. And he has the resources to experience whatever man would want to experience on this earth. And his summation and his finding is that it's all meaningless. It's pointless. It's vanity. It just doesn't make any sense. Now we're going to see a turn here in chapter 3 and what Solomon has to say about life. He's going to give us a broader perspective on this experiment. We read in verse 1, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. How many are still waiting for the snow? Any snow fans out there, huh? I, I feel so sorry for the kids. <laughs> what a drag. You get the cold, but you don't get the snow. We have seasons in our weather. We also have seasons in our life. We have seasons, different ages in our life, different relationships in our life, different experiences, joyful experiences and challenging experiences that go for a period of time, and, and those are seasons. And it says, in the time for every matter under heaven. Now, this is where it really changes up. Because, you see, every other time, Solomon has said, under the sun. That means without God, without Jesus. He was experimenting without life, without God. But now it, it switches to under heaven. And God now is part of the equation. He says, in a time for every matter under heaven. That word time in the Hebrew means appointed time. God chooses 
the times in our lives. God chooses what happens to us. He's in control of everything. It's called the sovereignty of God. That God is in total control of everything that happens in this world. And it's hard for us to reconcile the sovereignty of God and the fact that He's given man free will, that we can choose to do what we want to do. We can choose to sin against God, which, of course, Adam and Eve did, and we continue to do. But at the same time, He's in control. He allows sin. And He works it all together, as we'll see in this passage. So there's an appointed time for every matter under heaven. I mean everything under heaven. Nothing happens on this earth without God allowing. It's a difficult thing for us to comprehend when we figure in sin, but it's a truth we embrace in the mystery of what we don't understand about our Creator. So when you look at this point, uh, you look at this uh, poem, it's not just like, oh, there's a time for this, there's a time for that. No, it's God has appointed this. God has appointed that. In fact, let's take a look at this poem. It has contrast, a time to be born, time to die. God appointed time for you to be born, and he knows the day you'll die. He's appointed it. He just doesn't know it. He's the one who controls that. A time to plan and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Time to love, and a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. Beautiful. Now, before we get into this, we want to look further on in the chapter to give us some perspective on what Solomon is saying. So we skip ahead to verse 12. We skip ahead to verse 12. Now, there's several times in Ecclesiastes, in the midst of all the meaningless nature of life, as Solomon paints it, where Solomon, again, includes God in the equation. And when he includes God in the equation, he tells us exactly how we should be living life. And in verse 12 and 13, we find these jewels of wisdom. So he talks in the previous verses about the fact that man is toiling and doing his work. So he says, I perceive that there is nothing better for, for us man than to be joyful. Whoa. Did somebody grab the pen from Solomon? <laughs> joyful, that's not a word that we see often in Ecclesiastes, right? So, oh, hey, this is a feel-good message, right? <laughs> joyful and to do good as long as they live. That's what we're to do. He said there's nothing better than for us to enjoy everything that we can in life and to do good and to serve other people also that everyone should eat and drink I, I like this everyone should eat and drink in fact in that culture remember they were farmers they worked very hard all day long and that time in that in the evening was a time for family and for friends so they never ate and drank alone typically it was always with other people. 
That, that, that means relationships. When you sit down to eat and drink, they always had meals together. So it's talking about everyone should eat, drink, and enjoy their relationships and take pleasure in his toil to enjoy his work here on this earth. This is God's gift to man. Way to go, Solomon. That's really encouraging. So those are the verses you need to go back to. When you're reading through Ecclesiastes, it's getting kind of dark. <laughs> you know, jump back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 12, and 13, because that's really the summation of his findings, is to do life with God and enjoy the good gifts that he gives us here on this earth. And Solomon only knew so much about God. We know so much more about God than Solomon did because we have the full word of God. We know that Jesus Christ came as Solomon's Messiah. He knew about the Messiah. He didn't know it would be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And for the majority of us, we have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We know so much more than Solomon did about who God is. And now God lives within us. And He lives through us. How exciting is all that, right? How encouraging is all that in our lives. And that's what we've been talking about. The fact that Solomon has been chasing everything except God to find satisfaction here on this earth. Pleasure and stuff and popularity. And we've said the Bible teaches us to chase God, to chase Jesus, to keep that at the focal point. And we've talked about the fact that we so easily drift from that. When we see other things in the world that seem so enticing, we say, well, that will make me happier than just chasing Jesus. And we need to continue to chase Jesus. Now, when we think about life, one of the challenges uh, that we have in chasing Jesus is that we, many times, as we go throughout today, are going to be thinking about the past. We're going to be thinking about things we did, sins we committed, mistakes we made, opportunities we missed. We'll be filled with guilt over things that we have done. So we'll be thinking about the past. And we'll just be rolling that over in our minds. And if we're not thinking about the past and we're thinking about the future, we're thinking about what's coming if I only gain that particular job, if I only can have that particular possession, if I only can have that relationship, then that will fulfill me. Or, or either we're anxious about the future and how are we going to, going to uh, provide for our family financially how is that relationship going to work out and most of us are in our heads most of the day thinking about the past or the future instead of experiencing what today the present and friends God wants us to be in the present with him and I call it living in the moment with Jesus experiencing today no matter what today might be today might be a great day today might be a very depressing day but to be in the moment and to experience life 
fully. And we as Christ followers can do this more effectively than anyone. Because when we look at the past and the sins we've committed, God gives us grace and forgiveness and frees us from the past. And when we look toward the future and we're filled with anxiety, we can actually trust God for the future. Because again, that's the whole point of this passage. God is sovereign. He calls the shots in every area of life. Who better to trust in? So when we talk about living in the moment, you hear about this a lot in our culture. But we can do that because the past is forgiven. And the future, who knows what's going to happen in the future. We have no control over the future. But God has control over the future. So we need to live in the moment with Jesus. So we're chasing Jesus. We're living in the moment with Him. It's also seen here, this thought in Matthew chapter 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, that's our memory verse for January. How many have tried to memorize that? Raise your hand high. All right, way to go. How many have tried to memorize another verse this month? Okay. Well, again, I just encourage you in the discipline of Bible memory to bring you closer to Christ. Now, it goes on. So we seek first Jesus, His kingdom and His righteousness, and God will take care of the rest. Then it goes on, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love that. (laughs) Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do I hear an amen? (laughs) Amen! Uh, My wife is up at the women's retreat that our church is hosting in Lake Geneva. And I thought it was going to be a great weekend, not because I don't enjoy the company of my wife, but because I was going to be able to hang with my son on Friday night, and I just take a leisurely Saturday preparing for my message. And then my computer crashes. It's getting slower and slower all week long. And then it just stops. I can't access anything. And all Friday night, I'm getting stressed out and trying all these diagnostics, and I get up on Saturday morning, I'm trying to prepare my message, and I got so angry, and I was so stressed. There's trouble every day. So we need to live in the present in order to handle today's problems and give tomorrow's problems to Jesus. Well, let's take a look at this poem. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to die. God has appointed the day that you will die. I don't like to think about death, but it is a reality. Something that we need to address in our lives. He's appointed a time to die. I might have shared last week that uh, Tom DePuma he used to attend our church. He died. I think he was just at home, and he died of a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in the lung, and it just was over. I mean, death is so fragile. You could be the perfect driver. You could be the perfect driver, and somebody who's texting, somebody who's drunk, who's distracted, whatever, could it's you 
head on. And your life would be over. That's really the most deadly thing we do every day, right? Is drive a car. And we can be doing it great, but other people might not be doing it that well, driving. Friends, we never know when our number is going to be called. Well, we just give that to the Lord. We don't worry about that. We trust it uh, to Him. And that's why it's so important, again, to live in the moment, not to miss today. Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it is appointed, the same idea in Ecclesiastes, appointed time for a man to die once and after that to face judgment. Now let's talk about our birth. Beautiful passage that we love so much in Psalm 139. It talks about what happens in a pregnant woman's womb. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God is creating something beautiful. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. Now we can see an ultrasound, but we can't get in there and see it, right? But, but God can see it. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Friends, it's because of this passage and other passages that we believe that life begins at conception, period. It's God's creation. It doesn't belong to the woman who's carrying that child. That woman has a wonderful privilege of carrying that child. But it's God's creation. And that's why we speak out for life. We speak out for those little ones who can't speak out. This is Sanctity of Life Weekend here in the United States. And since Roe versus Wade back in 72, over 50 million children have been killed. 50 million. My nephew, Lori's nephew, Joel Hawbaker, and his wife Ann just had a child about a week and a half ago. They lived for three hours. Lived for three hours. Sent us some pictures. And, you know, it's devastating. Did have some defects, and uh, but it died. And they had a funeral for it, and they had a memorial service for it. Well, I tell you what, fifty million plus babies never had a funeral never had a memorial service. They were thrown in the trash. And that is an abnormate, uh, that is an abomination to God. That is wrong. And we as Christians need to speak out about that. We need to do everything that we can to let our government know how we feel about that. No matter how we feel, things are on the Supreme Court. We need to continue to speak out that it's wrong, and we need to continue to support those women who have that, that pregnancy, and they feel they're in the wrong circumstance to have a baby, and the world is telling them, and their friends are telling them, abort, abort, abort. That's why we support the Tri-County Pregnancy Center where these women can go, and now they have an ultrasound machine where they can actually see the baby moving and see the form of the baby. And that's very powerful. 
and to convince these women not to follow the way of the world, but to keep that child. And this ministry supports those women throughout the pregnancy and after the pregnancy. Maybe you've had an abortion in your life, ladies. Well, God forgives. And maybe you've lived with it for so long, you need to talk to somebody who understands, and that's another ministry of the Tri-County Pregnancy Center. Is what they do is they counsel those who've had abortions where you can experience God's grace and love and, and work through that trauma in your life. And that's why we're having our baby bottle Sunday today. We'll watch a video later from the Tri-County Pregnancy Center. But... We take these baby bottles home, we fill them with coins, we fill them with bills, we fill them with checks in order that women might have another voice to listen to, the voice of God about what's growing inside of them. Let's speak out for life. Well, it goes on in verse 16. Your eye saw my unformed substance... In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. See what it's saying here? It's saying every day of my life was purposed before creation. In other passages, every day of Dan Harrison's life, and as I live for God, as I live in the moment with Jesus, Every day I'm fulfilling His purposes. When I woke up this morning, January 20th, 2013, God has a plan laid out for Dan in order to serve Him. Right now I'm, I'm fulfilling that plan. When I go home and take a nap after this, I'll be fulfilling that plan. And when I get up and uh, hang with the family, I'm fulfilling that plan. You know, life is a worship service, right? Isn't that so powerful to understand? And sometimes we go through days and say, what was the point of that day? It was useless. It was boring. It was unengaging. No, if you lived it for the Lord, you fulfilled His purpose for your life. Our lives are just not random events laid one after another. Every day is purposed by God. That is such an affirming truth. God is in control. We go on to verse 2. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. It's talking about farming. Now, we don't think any farms here, but uh, we go to work. So think about Monday morning. You're heading off in your car to go to work, to go to school. You're staying at home to work or take care of children, or whatever you do during the day. That is your work, and work can be so exciting sometimes, and it can be so frustrating. But there's purpose in that. God has purposed you to do that. And this is what I want to focus on. This is what I want you to take away today. I want you to live in the moment with Jesus. And there's a lot of ways to do that. But one of the primary ways is through prayer. Through whatever you're going through, good or bad, to respond to Jesus in prayer. That, that gets you in connection with God. So, yesterday when I was just at my wit's end, 
And I just put my head down. Say, Lord, this computer is just frustrating me. It's it's getting in the way of me doing what I'm supposed to be doing here. Would you please help me? Would you please help me to handle this? Would you encourage me? I just cried out to him. And that's what we need to do. In the midst of our work, the frustrations, the people, the challenges, we just need to take that time to stop and pray to the Lord. This week is our week of prayer at Springbrook as we start out 2013. And we're also encouraging you to get involved in small groups, get involved in relationships, and you have a prayer guide in your program there. And we encourage you to hold on to this prayer guide, to use it on a daily basis, and bring it to your small group because your small groups will be spending time in prayer using this. Our prayer team put this together. Let's give ourselves over to prayer together as part of the family here. Let us pray every day as God gives us those opportunities when we're frustrated or when we're happy. It goes on here, a time to kill and a time to heal. The word kill there speaks of capital punishment or warfare, a time to heal. Some of you are in seasons of sickness. God has allowed that in your life. And you probably ask God many times, why? Why have you allowed this? Some of you are physically ill. Some of you struggle with migraine headaches. Some of you struggle with back pain that's debilitating. Some of you struggle with emotional pain from past issues in your life or present issues in your life. Some of you struggle with mental pain from disorders. You're in pain. Nobody likes to be in pain, right? But sometimes God allows that into our lives. I'm speaking with a woman just a couple days ago. It was in great emotional pain uh, because of a relational breakdown in her life. And she was just so broken. And uh, I just said, you know, live with Jesus in the moment. In the midst of your pain, cry out to Him. Journal. That's such a healthy thing to do when you're in pain. Tell God exactly how you feel. If you're angry at Him, tell Him. Um, whatever. He knows it. And he wants to hear from you. God wants to minister to you in your pain. That's part of life. In fact, we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That's what I'm getting here, right? A continual conversation with God throughout the day. We talk about having daily offices, maybe a couple different times a day when you sit down and read a devotional and pray. But then as you go throughout the rest of the day, the daily offices encourage you just to keep that line of communication open. Pray without ceasing. You're to rejoice and you're to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You say, well, Dan, how can I give thanks in the midst of pain? Well, I've experienced a lot of pain in my life. And, and the way I can give thanks is thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching me how you are maturing me, how you are making me more like you through this pain. C.S. Lewis said, 
that pain is God's megaphone. He whispers, he whispers to us in our pleasures, and He shouts to us in our pain. That's when God really gets a hold of us. And when He draws us close, if we'll allow Him to. Ecclesiastes 3.3, 3, He says, A time to break down and a time to build up. Now that's, a, that's a neighbor. I, I love building things, right? You build relationships. You, you build a marriage. You build a family. You build a business. You actually build something. I see uh, Jeremy Trook back here, and he's the manager down at Menards. So he's all about building, right, bud? <laughs> it's good to see him here on Sunday. He works a lot of Sundays. But, yeah, how many are remodeling their homes right now? Anybody? Got a project going on? What are you guys doing? A bedroom. All right. Not good? Oh, bathroom. I'm sorry. A bathroom. All right. Yeah. How many remodeled your homes last year? Okay. That's good not to build. Okay, that's fine. There's a time not to build, just to be satisfied with your house. It's fun to build, though, isn't it? Right? Some of you guys just love to build. Yeah, there's a time to build and there's a time to break down. Now, friends, you probably didn't know about this, but automobiles are mentioned in Scripture. Here it is, biblical. A time to break down. You can tell your co-workers this. They'll find this funny. All right, Ecclesiastes 3, 3, it refers to automobiles because they do break down. How many had your automobile break down while you were using it last year, 2012? Oh, I am sorry for all of you. <laughs> Flat tires, whatever it might be. Yeah, that, that is so frustrating. Things break down. Now, you guys are all thinking. I know you're thinking. Okay, the projector over here was working for the last two weeks. Okay, I, I can understand that. All right? Now, this projector is working. Are they thinking that they just want to... I'll give some variety here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. You know, we had both projectors working Thursday night, Friday. And on Saturday, this projector did not work. It broke. The one we just repaired for $700. Can you understand? That is life, right? So we were trying to fix these, and finally we got this one working, and this one didn't work. Isn't that life? Things break down. And in those moments of things breaking down, like when your car breaks down, first you might want to pray that you don't swear. Um, then, you, then you just pray to Jesus. And that's what I always do. I say, oh, God, help me in this situation. You know? Help someone to come along. Help me to figure this out quickly. But always pray first. Because that's what challenging situations do to us. It moves us to dependence upon Jesus, to live in that moment with Jesus, to bring Jesus into the pain, to bring Jesus into the frustration, say, you're here with me, God, and I'm not feeling that well, and I need, I need you. All right. Oh, we move on. Uh, <clears throat> uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to weep. It goes on to say a time uh, to mourn. I just want to continue to remind you guys that uh, Christ does not promise us 
uh, a beautiful life, one filled with all those things that this world would promise us. And as a popular pastor on TV, that when I watch him, I really get that impression that he's selling something that's not found in the Word of God. Your life is going to be great. You trust in Jesus. And, uh, you know, you can be with Jesus in every moment of your life, but suffering is a part of life because of sin. And God can use that suffering, as I talked about, to bring us closer to Him. But so many of us, so many of us feel like God is turning His back on us when we run into suffering. And that's why it's so important that I remind you, hey, you're going to suffer. I hope you're not suffering. But you're going to suffer in this life. It's part of life. And God can use it. But don't be surprised when bad things happen. Now, certainly, we go through all the emotions when bad things happen. And we can get angry at God and tell Him how we feel. And that's okay without sin. But uh, it's a part of life. There's a time to weep. Jesus wept, remember? Lazarus died. Now, he could have got there earlier. He knew that he was going to die. <laughs> he knew it was going down. And he waited for other purposes. And he got there. It happened. And he cried. I'm sure he wept many other times because that's the nature of life. We weep. We weep. And weeping is a very healthy thing to do if you haven't done it in a while because it releases emotional toxins in your body that you can't get rid of anywhere else. Some of you have like five years of weeping inside of you. <laughs> do whatever you can <laughs> to weep. If you feel like weeping, do it. Get alone in a room. And get that energy out. Oh, man, it's okay to cry, right? Live in that moment with Jesus, and as you're weeping, as you're overcome with pain, speak to Jesus. Tell Him, oh, Lord, I'm so desperate. I have no hope. I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know what today holds. I'm so overwhelmed with the sadness. I don't even feel you right now. But he's there, right? Don't depend on your feelings to determine your theology, okay? A lot of people do that. Well, God's not around. No, no, no. That's just your emotional life. You know, talk to him even though you don't think he's there. Because he's there. Live in the moment with Jesus. And a time to laugh. Oh, I like that, right? A time to laugh. What better time to get together with friends and eat and laugh together and uh, just to enjoy life. God wants us to enjoy life. When we have those opportunities, man, enjoy it all. You can't take it to the limit. <laughs> it goes on, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You see uh, Jerry Wiley back here, good friend that uh, lost his wife, Alice, back in 2011. It's a long journey, isn't it? Long journey of grief. Linda Marcico, of course, was in Frank this past year. Grief is a dark journey, but it's a journey that you come out of. It's a journey that God does unique things. You know, Jim Welch here lost his wife. And uh, I 
you lose other things. You lose a dream. You're getting to the age where you thought certain things would happen in your career or in your life or in your relationships, and it's not happening. You think, well, it's probably not going to happen. And you have to grieve over that. You lose a job. You grieve over that. You lose a relationship. You grieve over that. And if you try to cheat the process of grief, you're going to cheat yourself. Because that's a natural part of life that God has built into us. Let's say you've sinned. You've rebelled against God. And uh, you're going through that repentance process. You're recognizing, God, I have, I have hurt you. I have uh, done my own thing. And it's caused incredible pain for myself and for others. And you need to grieve through that. Grieve through your repentance. But again, as you do that, God restores you no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how difficult your marriage or your relationship with your adult child or whatever case might be. God gives you the promise of restoration. And that leads to dancing. <laughs> time to dance. When's the last time you danced? I huh? was at a wedding or you know, on a weekend or something like that, you know. It's fun to dance. Now, I move a little bit up front here, but most of my dancing is done in private. It's kind of like, ah, oh, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> How many dance in private? Any private dance? Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Dance in private. Put your favorite tune, man. Make sure nobody's in the house if you're kind of, you know, private. And just dance. <laughs> dance to the Lord, the Bible says, move, man. Experience the moment with Jesus and just lift your Oh, thank you, Lord, you know. Don't you love music? Huh? What a beautiful gift from God. Beautiful gift. Right. Well, you know, I, I have my druthers. No weeping, a lot of laughing, no mourning, a lot of dancing. But that's not how life is, right? You just embrace what's going on right now. And life will change. That's the way it goes, seasons, appointed times, and you give it over to the Lord. And friends, when I think about weeping and laughing and mourning and dancing, I think about small groups. Because you need to be in relationships to do those things in the most healthy, satisfying way. And we're encouraging all of you to step into a small group. Check it out and talk to Pastor Rich. In your bulletin, you'll have a, an insert that I'd encourage you. Uh, to fill out and take back to the small group table uh, doing life uh, together. You can fill out the information. You can go on our website. But take the plunge. I said take the dive in the deep end uh, several weeks ago uh, to a lady about the women's retreat. retreat and she said, yeah, I took the dive. I said, oh, praise God. Dive out of your comfort zone. Connect with people. So rich. So rich. All right, verse 5. Uh, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. And it's hard to, there's differing opinions about that, but they might be building something, they might be defending themselves, and they throw stones, stones all over Israel. Uh, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to say hello, and there's a time to say goodbye. Isn't that wonderful when you say hello? 
when you find somebody you have chemistry with, you sit and you talk and you talk and you talk and you talk, a, a person that uh, has some similar experiences, similar interests, and it's just like, uh, oh, it satisfies your thirst for relationships. Relationships are like a window in life. In the room we live in, they're like a window that helps us to see beautiful things and lets the sunshine in. There's also times, though, when relationships end, a time to say goodbye, to refrain from embracing. People move away. Right? We no longer have regular contact with people. Sometimes it's painful. There's conflict, divorce, estrangement. It's the nature of life. And again, we need to live in the moment with Jesus good times of relationships and in the painful times. Uh, verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose. This is talking about financial gain or financial loss. And to do this, all you have to do is watch the news. Market's up today. 401k is up. You know. Market's down today. I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's kind of like I never get excited about the market being up because I know it's going to be down at some point in the future and so forth. And and really, if that causes you anxiety, you've got to realize that's God's money. You know, you're not controlling the future. That's good to plan, but you don't control the future, and that's a great live in the moment with Jesus. If that stresses you out, say, God, that's your money. You do whatever you want with it. I know you're going to take care of me. Uh, verse 6, a time to keep and a time to cast away. This is the most practical thing you can do. Uh, all of us need to to give something or throw something away today. I mean, just go through your house visually. Right? Go to where the clutter is. <laughs> Maybe the clutter has grown out of the dark room. It's invading your house. Right? Go to the closet. Throw those clothes away you will never wear again. You think you will wear again, but let's face it, you're not going to wear it again. What's a year? You know, if you haven't worn it in a year, toss it out or give it away and something like that. I don't know. We go on a time to tear and a time to sew. It's talking about clothes there, the idea that they made their own clothes and they ripped them up for rags when uh, they no longer could use them for clothes. And this is talking about the daily mundane things we do in life, laundry, dishes, cleaning. And you can redeem that time. You can live that those moments with Jesus by listening to Christian music, by Listening to podcasts, listening to WMBI. How many listen to WMBI or WYIL, Christian teachers? Oh, yeah. How many listen to podcasts of different teachers? Oh, yeah. That's a great way to continue to grow. Please, please use your discretionary time to at least listen to one message a week from one of the great pastors uh, that have podcasts. And there's all kinds of podcasts out there, obviously. Or just turn on MBI or YIL on the car your commute, and God will bless you through that. Uh, time to keep silence. Some of you talk too much. I'm not talking to anybody directly here, but I know in this room, let me just talk way too much, and if your friends could tell you, they would. Maybe they have. <laughs> you just shut up. <laughs> You're insecure. You want to be get attention. I don't know, but you talk too much. Right? You just need to be silent. It's amazing what you can learn when you let other people talk, Right? But there is a time to speak, a time to speak out. Maybe you have a, a spouse or a child or someone in your life who needs to hear uh, truth, truth and love. 
They really need to hear what, what you perceive is going on in their life, what you've seen in their life. Now, that takes courage because you don't want to rock the boat, but God is asking you to rock the boat. Uh, verse 6, a time to love and a time to hate. What's that about hate? Well, uh, we hate abortion, right? We don't hate people who have abortions, but we hate the acceptance of abortion. We hate the acceptance of homosexuality in our culture. The Bible is so clear in relationship that, that, that homosexuality is not God's desire. It's sin. Now again, we love those people who struggle in that area. But as our Illinois legislature looks at making homosexual marriage the law in this state, we as Christians need to speak out. We need to call our representatives and tell him, no, do not vote for that. Do not vote for it. It's wrong. And there's another message sometime. There are so many different ways that this is going to impact our culture on so many different levels. Again, we do not hate people who struggle with us, but we need to stand for the truth. The truth. And we love those people who struggle with it. And as we have opportunity, we lovingly uh, share with them what God will is for their life. And it's so challenging for those people who have uh, that going on in their life. But we need to stand for what is right. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, in verse 9, uh, we read, What gain has uh, the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. You have got to spend some time in your daily office with this passage right here. He has made everything beautiful in its time. You see, we only see today. Yesterday, I only saw my computer. My mind was you know, just focused on my computer. What can I do? Who can I talk to to solve this problem? God wasn't looking at my computer. God was looking at Dan's life. God was looking at all of history. God is present today as much as He is present right now 2,000 years ago. Because God stands outside of time. I know that blows our minds, right? but it's true. So he sees everything. He sees all of Dan's life, and God is doing something beautiful through my life. And sometimes, like with a tapestry, you just see the back side of it, and all you see is a bunch of you know, threads hanging out. You never get a full glimpse of the front side, the, the beautiful thing that God is doing in your life. We need to keep God's big picture in mind. It says, uh, also he has put eternity into men's hearts, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He's put eternity into, into men's heart. You see, he's put into men's heart that God-shaped boy. The three questions, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? That's eternity in their hearts. What am I doing here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And friends, we have the answers in this book revealed from God. And that's why it's so important that we commit ourselves to our gospel friendships because they're probably not going to believe us the first time up that we tell them. But over time, as we love them and as we care for them and the Holy Spirit works in their life, they're going to come to Jesus and experience 
the gospel. And that's why we've given you those little invite cards that you have there, Ecclesiastes invite cards. Hand those out to people and say, come out and check out what's going on uh, at our family. Maybe put some hope uh, into your life. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this incredible chapter that speaks so much about our daily life. And you purpose every day. Help us to realize that. And help us to live every moment with you. Help us to be aware of your presence. Help us to be in constant prayer. I pray this would be a wonderful prayer-filled week. And as we walk together as a family in our small groups and in our daily offices and as we just experience life today, help us to speak many times to you, just short times to you. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, help me with this. Lord, comfort me. Lord, carry me. Lord, help us to be that the way, way that we live. In Christ's name.